Welcome to the Sunday, Sunday evening divisional round edition. It is January 22nd. Um, we just finished a very, very disappointing divisional round. If the only thing you were hoping for was interesting football, thankfully, there exists betting. So it was a wonderful weekend. Uh, we have Ben Brown. We're going to recap uh, the four games that we watched. And then with Arjun, we're going to guess the lines and get some early bets in for the conference championship. It's going to be a great forecast, hopefully a little bit better than Mike McCarthy's trick play. Let's rock. Let's start with the, uh, the game that we just watched. Um, I, I rewatched that last play. Uh, you, look, that game was such a horribly coached game. There was no way that Mike McCarthy had a great play coming up on, on that last play. But I, I was so enamored with the, the offensive linemen. Like, you put your offensive linemen out there. What, you got to do something with them. But they didn't do anything. The offensive linemen just like trotted down the field. They throw the ball to the one guy that runs who's nowhere near them. Zeke gets blown up. It was just absolutely hilarious. I thought that was a really fitting end of just a, a really garbage game. Um, but thank God. Thank God that the Niners covered. That actually makes our Sunday uh, Sunday evening picks from last week. We write them up every week for the uh, on the website and on the, on the PFF app. Went undefeated. Uh, Niners minus... I think it was three and a half uh, was what we printed. Came through there just barely. Um, ben, Brad, uh, your takeaways. Start with you, Ben, from that uh, from that Niners Cowboys game. Yeah, I was very much going to comment on the last play of the game because I like you know the the meme or whatever where the guy like sits up in his chair a little bit. Like that was totally mm-hmm. that guy seeing that formation with Zeke hiking the football. And then like. It couldn't have ended any worse, of course. Such such a fitting ending to the Cowboys experience, I would say, this year. I don't know. like, I, And, of course, starting on this game, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit on tilt. But this was very much like the one game I feel like I didn't see correctly. I would say the other three games, you know, for all intents and purposes, very much went the direction that I kind of expected. I know I deviated a little bit from your guys with the 49ers specifically. But, like, I think if you're, you know, at, at least evaluating these games, games and trying to predict like who you want to end up with for this conference championship weekend like both the 49ers and Cowboys I would say were severely underwhelming even the 49ers specifically I thought would have a little bit of more success offensively didn't really have have, I would say like any sustained drives did have the one touchdown drive of course that you know I I will say was very much aided by some defensive holding penalties and a a Trayvon Diggs dropped interception but it just seems like the the same you know narratives that we were repeating last week are very much going to be the the same regurgitate things that we have you know kind of coming up for the conference championship games as well. I would say tonight was ugly, but the four best teams in the NFL in 2022 are in the are in the conference championship, which I think is great. If you want to weight that with you know who played better down the stretch with Cincinnati versus a Buffalo, I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, only, Mike McCarthy would be the only guy that watched that Colts special teams play against the Patriots and was like. They may have an odd to something there. I got I got to revisit that and see if I can add my own tweak mm-hmm. to that play because they were they were they were cooking something up there. It was it was so incredible. I mean, so you know to summarize that game, I 
I think that was one of the worst San Francisco performances, especially in a big spot that, that I can remember. I mean, from Shanahan, you would expect creativity. You would expect adjustments when needed. Um, you got none of that. And you got the same stuff that you're used to, which is really bad fourth down decision making, kicking that field goal. I think it was fourth and two in the first half. Then the timeouts were egregious. I mean, it cost them 30 seconds, probably uh, somewhere around there at the end of the first half. And then I don't, I don't know, how, you know, this de definitely reflects on Shanahan, um, but some just kind of boneheaded decisions by the team at the end of the game. Um, so I don't know if that's something where you go, it's good. They got all their bad, bad shots out in this game and they'll be ready for the Eagles. Um, I, I think that, you know, despite winning the game, it was a very underwhelming performance. Like Brad, you were, you and I were talking during the game. It's like, if Dak doesn't have like a five turnover worthy play game, like, <laughs> you know, that they win this game. Right. Um, and yet uh, it was, it was pretty bad for Dak. But let me ask you real quick to tie a bow on, on the Cowboys here. So the Cowboys kind of have every opportunity to, to win this game. They do not. Um, is Mike McCarthy back next year? I'm going to go yes. Today was bad. Um, today was really Even bad. Even after that trick play? Before the trick play, Jerry Jones had, an, had him ready to go. He saw that. He's like, I got to get out of here. It does reopen the door. And we know, I think that Sean Payton, like, unless David Tepper in Carolina just says, forget it, I'll give the Saints three first and I'll pay him $30 million a year, which I think is on the table. Um, it does reopen the door. But I think I think he'll survive this. Uh, I'm not saying I necessarily think he should, but I think he will. Yeah, I'm going. The, I'm going the opposite way. I feel like this is Sean Payton or Boston. And I think they. I think. I think Jerry Jones moves quickly on this after this humiliating performance. I think we got to see. You got to see something else at this point because this where they are headed is nowhere good with Mike McCarthy. So I think. I think Jerry Jones sees that after this game. And I very much think. You know, we see Sean Payton. I would say, uh, coach for the Cowboys. I would say at the start of 2023. I think I'm with you, Ben. Uh, you have every opportunity to win that game. You only right. need to score 20 points, and and you can't. Um, I, you know, I, I really don't want to say that it comes down to one play, but I thought that one play was kind of a microcosm of, of what we've seen. It's like just overthinking things. Um, okay, so let's let's uh, transition um, to uh, the the earlier game that we saw um today which was i think maybe you could say that the most surprising i would argue the most surprising of of the games um that we saw this entire weekend um start with you brad biggest takeaways from Bengals bills i mean you know i think and I, and I fell for this trap and we'll probably get into it a little bit later you know kind of overreacting to game day to sunday and i think the biggest thing was yes the Bengals had all their offensive line injuries their offensive line is marginally worse than the Bills' starting offensive line, if not about right. equal. And I think that kind of was something that was, you know, the overshadow because of all the injuries. And, and I know I personally need to get stop getting so tied up in injuries. The Bills had liabilities at three and a half starting spots. Or, like, they're just they, – they were not good enough. And their defense, they, they got to revisit the whole thing. Everyone's trying to blame Leslie Frazier. Look, it's Sean McDermott's defense first. It's not Leslie Frazier's defense. You know, it's not only his when it's good and, you know, whatever – um, they just play soft. They got bullied today on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, they just, I mean, they just got out physical in a snow game in Buffalo. Not supposed to happen. We talk about all the, you know, whatever. 
they just got bullied on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I mean, th- I would say in a lot of ways, like the, the Bengals kind of owned the trenches, especially when they were up. Like they, like the, the, the Bills had no pass rush whatsoever. I think the question that everyone was kind of trying to answer was like, is Gregor Russo finally going to kind of emerge without Von Miller in the fold? And, and for all intents and purposes, he really didn't. I do think that, you know, I, I was a pretty big believer in the Cincinnati Bengals, but I did not think they were going to arrive in the manner in which they did kind of this year, right? Like the really strong defense that is very much playing, you know, probably a lot better than the sum of their parts and is very much kind of capable of, you know, completely slowing down a Buffalo Bills passing attack that was, for all intents and purposes, probably thought of as like the second or third best unit in football. So I, I think like defensively, I think is, is is maybe like the surprising part for me for both the Chiefs and the Bengals, who I think are very much kind of rounded in a form and, and I thought would probably have lackluster secondaries and very much, I would say, have kind of answered the call over the last eight or nine weeks of the season. I think that that's probably, you know, uh, you know, going to set up for a really good AFC conference championship game. But I do think like it, it seems like in some ways, the manner in which the Bengals have done it specifically is probably more sustainable, I would say to their long-term outlook. So I think, you know, obviously they were going to do it offensively, but the fact that they have been so good as well defensively, I think really speaks to, you know, them very much, you know, once again, probably proving everybody wrong. I, I, I have some interesting takes on this game. So take number one is that the Buffalo Bills defense is not to be blamed for that game. The the Buffalo Bills are in this position because of Josh Allen and that offense and Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. And, you know, the, that is why they're there to put up at home in inclement weather when the other team had no problem scoring to put up any fewer than 20 points, much less 10 points, is an absolute joke. It's a total joke. I There were two really underwhelming offensive plans and performances today. They belong to the Bills, who got their teeth kicked in, and the Niners, who managed to win because they played Dak Prescott and they had their defense really stepped up. But the Niners are playing Brock Purdy. So that's okay, right? Like, I think we can talk about Brock Purdy and whether we should be really concerned about him and, and what that means going into Philadelphia. But Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant. That's okay. You can deal with that. Josh Allen is, is Josh Allen. He is a top two, top three quarterback in the NFL. And so I would blame 100. I, I totally blame the offense for the Bills. It was uninspiring. They didn't. Um, they didn't get the ball to Stephon Diggs, I don't think, anywhere near enough. I mean, it, if you go down in that game and, and Stephon Diggs doesn't have 15 targets, you're going down in the wrong way. Um, so that's take number one. Take number two is Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. I mean, they are as good as any duo in the NFL. There's, there's no doubt about it. I think Jamar Chase, everyone went, you know, lost their minds over Justin Jefferson for the entirety of this year, and rightfully so. I think there's an argument to be made for, for Jamar Chase um, there as well. But I thought that the snow was a great equalizer here. And Jackson Carmen played incredibly well. The, the left tackle gave up just one uh, pressure the entire game. But the snow, I thought really that the Bengals were the ones that took that to their advantage offensively, put the, the defense kind of on their heels. So I wonder what it means going into Kansas City. Like, I feel like we overreact. A lot of people overreacted to the offensive line for Cincinnati, and we did not. You know, I think that was one of the better calls right. that we had the entire week. Was we did not. We we bet the the Bengals pretty consistently, 
And yet now I wonder if, depending on where the injuries shake out, I wonder if maybe it'll be worth uh, reacting a little bit to it because we probably won't, maybe we will not have snow uh, in Arrowhead. But, but that was kind of my takeaway from that game. I, you know, defense, like defense is a, is a result of the offenses they face. The Cincinnati offense is really good. So the Bills offense not, not answering the bell, I thought was the, the biggest problem. I mean, the crazy thing, too, is if I told you the Bills are going to score 10 points, I would say, how many over under three and a half Josh Allen turnovers? Zero. Right. I mean, zero. Yeah. And they still still scored 10 points. So, yeah, now I hear you. That's fair. He had the one He had the one at the end, I guess, basically. But obviously that was, yeah, all, true, for all intents and purposes, over with. But, yeah, but I, I actually think, like, George, your first point is obviously something people are have started to discuss in some ways. But I think, like, it's very much been apparent that like the drop off going from Brian to bold to Ken Dorsey and kind of maximizing Josh Allen and the rest of the offense was probably something that seemed to be, you know, like a relatively seamless transition. But once like, once like the, the film is kind of established on some of these teams and some of the, you know, play calling, especially in crucial situations is kind of on tape already. Like there was never any kind of counter punch to that, or there wasn't any like innovation on top of what was already put in place. And I think that drop off going from, you know, Brian to bold to Ken Dorsey is probably the main reason why the Bills, you know, for all intents and purposes, put up 10 points this week, but very much, I would say, kind of fell off in the second half of the season because, like, you know, going from where they were last year to where they are this year, it's been, like, kind of night and day difference. And I think that's probably a big reason, you know, for why your first point makes so much sense from my perspective. I'll throw in one last point, too, to take it off the field and look at the front offices, too. We always praise uh, Brandon Bean in Buffalo. Look, the receivers were never good enough this year. They did not do enough to address it. They trade for Naheem Hines. They're making all these moves for slot guys. Yeah, Beasley had a couple catches today, whatever. But And then, like you said, you have, you have a backup left tackle in Carmen. Max Sharping's been a good backup guard for Cincinnati. Like They didn't go full-on Kansas City and just like throw resources at offensive line. But they had the same thing last year. And so, look, we're not going to let it become such a detriment to where it loses us football games. Um, you know, I, I think the, the Bill or the Bengals front office, you know, kind of showed out today. They, they've had injuries in the secondary they've been able to overcome. They, they, they made sure they had the depth to win these big games, whereas a front office that a lot of us laud, myself included, in Buffalo really did not. I mean, their big addition was a 33-year-old edge rusher who, yeah, he was fantastic, and we saw what happens when you lose him. But you don't account for, hey, if we lose Von Miller, we go from a top-five pass rush to a bottom-ten pass rush. That's, that's a problem you should account for when the guy is 33 years old. Yeah, and, and think about that. I think, you know, I was going to say we should give credits certainly to Zach Taylor, I think deserves some credit. We, we bag on Zach right, Taylor a lot. Right. And look, he has a, a wealth of great offensive weapons there. But it, it should be noted that um, Joe Burrow's average time to throw was below 2.5 seconds. He was the highest graded quarterback in the NFL this year on throws of 2.5 seconds or fewer than 2.5 seconds. Um, that is huge. That's massively important, right? That allows you to overcome that offensive line. And then on the defensive side of the ball, both the players that they've accumulated there, a lot of whom threw savvy moves, right? And the players that they brought on, and of course what Lou Amaruno uh, did uh, th this year and in that game was super, super impressive. Um, so let me ask you this. Most impressive um I guess, uh, from this entire weekend. Who impressed you as player, coach, whatever? What was the most impressive um, uh, thing that you saw the entire weekend? Start with you, Ben. 
Yeah, I mean, I, w- I will probably go with Joe Burr. Obviously, he's done it. He-, he continues to do it, basically. But actually being able to jump out to an early lead, the snow obviously had no impact on him throwing the football. You know, and, and we kind of talked about it, like a completely reshuffled offensive line. That was going to be the spot that the Bengals were supposed to lose. And I think that, you know, e- even though they held up really well, maybe the snow was actually an advantage for them in that scenario with, you know, the Bills front four not being able to get off the football as much as they actually wanted to. Like, he was kind of a masterclass and he had, you know, a, a ton of really good throws. Even the, even the, what should have been a touchdown to Jamar Chase that ended up being overturned because he juggled the football, like perfect throws basically. Right. And I think that, you know, for all these other quarterbacks, maybe outside of Patrick Mahomes, like there are a couple slip ups that once in a while that actually, um, that, that actually continue to come through, but he, you know, very much, I would say is showing why he probably is the second best quarterback in football right now. If not, you know, nipping at the heels i would say of a guy like patch mahomes so i think it was him you know obviously really impressive performance i do think like that statement victory was by far i would say the most overall impressive team performance we saw this weekend yeah i mean it's it's pretty much impossible to argue that i think it's got to be joe burrow but we just mentioned him but like you like you said george i mean defense is dictated by offense so that makes luana rumo's performance today all the more impressive uh fewest points scored by the bills in any game this entire season in a do or die game at home like you said conditions both teams are dealing with so not really an excuse and they just had no answer throughout the entire game uh i'm gonna i'm gonna be uh a little different here chad henny Okay. Uh, although Chad Henney's I, I, I did want to call it out because I, I actually think the, uh, you know, a combination of Mahomes playing with a certainly really banged up. I don't think we understand that looked brutal. There's no way he's hopping around like that unless it really hurts. Right. You don't want to show that kind of weakness. You're trying to play on it. It was clear that he like short arm the, the little screen throw because he, accidentally put his right foot down and then realized he couldn't put his right foot down. Um, and and the, the, the throws and the composure that he made, the Jaguars are not a great team, uh, but they certainly were, you know, not going to lay down in that game. So the fact that the chiefs came through and, and won that game with composure, I thought was really, really, really impressive. Um, look, the Eagles were impressive as well. The giants beat the Vikings. The giants are not a very good team. So, I, you know, I don't think that they kind of quite make it to that uh, to that level. Um, and then, you know, I mean, just Mike McCarthy's uh, just wizardry from an offensive uh, scheme perspective. I still can't get over that. I still can't get over that. A friend of mine um, texted me. He said he, he, we were laughing about the play and uh, his wife actually made a really interesting point. She was like, you know, Zeke probably didn't even practice that play. That was probably Pollard. Right. That's that actually stuff. true, right? <laughs> <laughs> the high ankle sprain is why it didn't work. That's that's a good shout. That's, that's a good shout from her. That's the whole. That's the whole reason. Um, it's it just absolutely incredible. Um, it, let's. So then, most disappointing. Uh, we obviously talked about uh, the Bills and the Cowboys a little bit. Um, you know, I, maybe I'll start here. I, I that performance by Dak was not great. Um, and, and certainly I think Allen um, and what you would have expected out of the Bills should be better. But I think it's very interesting. If you look at the Cowboys, I think their performance actually defensively was pretty inspiring. Um, and you look at this team going forward, and I think what Jerry Jones is going to look at is going to go, do I really think that this combination of Dak and McCarthy can get me to a Super Bowl? 
I think ultimately he's going to say no. And he's going to say, well, what can I change? And it's going to be very hard. You can't really get rid of Dak. You know, I, I so I, I think he's, that's going to kind of be the, the ultimate one. But I mean, it, it, there were easily what, four or five interceptable <laughs> passes, turnworthy passes that he made. Uh, I mean, on that last drive, yeah, on that last drive alone, it seemed like there was. I mean, that was the quintessential Dak drive. I would say is the drive before, basically, when what what he had the first one that was very much turnover. They played a Greenlaw that he dropped, uh, missed Michael Gallup on like the long deep shot or whatever, mm. and then they took the sack on third and ten, and then like and then it turned into McCarthy like complete shit show or whatever, right? So I don't know. I feel like Dak is like Kirk on roids or something is like kind of what I'm like trying to figure out. I don't know exactly where he fits on the Kirkulian Arjun, uh, you know, chart or anything like that. Yeah. But like, I think we, I think we saw, you know, we go back and forth on like where we should land with Dak and very much, you know, obviously from a grading perspective, he has done really well, but there's, there's just something there in these spots where it just is not, it, it's not clicking. And like you said, I think if Jerry Jones is reevaluating, like where did, can they get there with, with Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott, like resoundingly clear, I would say, even in like a down NFC, like, they're still not very close, to be honest with you. So that has to be the biggest disappointment. Like, you can say what you want about the Bills, and, like, maybe they are headed in the wrong direction. We're obviously going to have, like, a whole offseason of, you know, rift talk between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs coming out with some of those videos after the fact and, and Stefan Diggs and the diva status. So maybe that's a reason why the Bills are also probably, you know, very much deserving of the most disappointing title from, you know, this weekend. But uh, it, it's very hard for me, I would say, to get away from Dak Prescott at this point. I will say when you mentioned earlier, I mean, Jerry Jones's snap reaction to last year was getting rid of Omari Cooper for one of the worst value trades we've seen in a long right. time, sending him mm-hmm. for a fifth round pick the Browns. And so, look, it is harder to get away from Dak. It's obviously harder to replace Dak Prescott. But I mean, look, he got franchise tagged twice for a reason, and it was a battle to get him that long term deal in the first place, probably because Jerry did have some of those reservations. Um, you know, like, it's actually probably not that crazy to think, like, if he's going to have some snap reaction to this game, does he maybe try to swing some ridiculous blockbuster to go get Lamar Jackson or something? I'm just kind of being ridiculous now myself. But, like, it's actually not that crazy to say maybe he doesn't think this falls at Mike McCarthy's feet. Because, like you said, I mean, Michael Gallup is wide open down the seam, should have been hit on that pass. Like, it, it was tough. But for the most disappointing, I'll go a little bit off the beaten path as well. Kyle Shanahan let Brock Purdy play through some of those early turnover-worthy plays last week. And and I know the Dan Quinn Cowboys defense is significantly better than the Seattle Seahawks, but I think letting him do that this week instead of running a bunch of two-yard carries to Elijah Mitchell, like, probably could have helped him get prepared for next week against Philly. Jonathan Gannon has got a lot more creative with that defense. They're not as stagnant and boring as last year. And I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at him. They have all sorts of DBs they can play all over. And I don't know. I just think Purdy could have grown through that. Um, And instead, I almost think they kind of neutered him a little bit until they needed to throw very, very late in the game. It obviously worked out. But, yeah, Kyle, the fourth and two field goal from the 29 and that stuff, he does it every year and he kind of – he gets away with it, but eventually he's going to stop getting away with it. Well, it's interesting. Um, The one time they decided to throw the ball on first down was – right before the two minute warning when right. they knew the clock was going to stop. <laughs> they finally threw the ball on, on first yep. down. It was like, it, it was, it was as if they came out and they said, Hey, we don't want to put him in a position to make some bad throws early, but instead of throwing the ball, we're going to run some really non-creative run plays and then put him in a position right. to throw the ball on third down, you know, which is okay. not, which is way worse. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a really good call out. I mean, I'll ask you guys this. 
Jimmy G is supposedly going to be healthy, um, you know, at some point here, either Super Bowl or, or uh, conference championship. I would have said before the game, there's no chance in hell that he's playing. I think those chances had to go up a little bit. Um, I was, I mean, he made a couple of nice throws, one nice throw to Kittle down the seam, certainly. Um, but there was that Ayuk throw that could have easily been intercepted. Um, it was, it was scary. I mean, do you think there's any chance that they're considering um, Jimmy G if he's healthy? I don't, because I don't think he's going to be 100%. And I, and I, and I think it's going to be something that bothers him to a degree where you let Purdy ride it out. I also just don't think he's that much of an upgrade. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, the odds went up. They're, they're greater than 0%, but I, I would be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the odds definitely went up. I, I don't think he's that much better than Brock Purdy right now. So if he's not 100%. Like, I very much think that's the reason why you stick with Brock Purdy at this point. So if he is 100%, I think it becomes an interesting discussion at least. And I would at least, you know, kind of, kind of, if I was Kyle Shanahan, kind of at least evaluate where they're both at in practice this week, if that is the case. But uh, it, it would be, you know, a pretty difficult decision, I would say, to go with Jimmy Garoppolo over, over Brock Purdy, even given the most recent performance that he's had. Yeah, it's uh, so a member in the, uh, the printing press uh, Discord, which, by the way, you should join if you have not already join the uh, well over 500 members of the printing press that had a wonderful weekend um, in large part. Thanks to our man, our man, Dallas, not the Dallas Cowboys, but our man, Dallas, who we talked about on this, uh, on this podcast last week um, said that uh, Jerry Jones has proclaimed that Mike's uh, Mike McCarthy's job is safe, which is really interesting because that may give a hint as to who he thinks is yeah. to blame for this, right? Yeah. And so I guess my question to you, Brad, is like how, untra- you know, how tradable is Dak Prescott in that contract? Yeah, so I mean, the thing is, like, I, it's honestly even less so about the deal. I'm pulling it up right now. I'll look at it really quickly. But, okay, it's very, very, very untradable. But so, so we, we, can, we can write that off pretty much. But it's more, my thing is, I think Jerry Jones would only do it if he felt he could get a legitimate replacement that he thinks improves his odds or at least keeps them level at a better price point. Like his quote on Amari Cooper was always, we're getting him number one wide receiver money and he's not giving us number one wide receiver production. It also was not just on the field. I know they were upset with him because he, you know, was very kind of, I don't know, anti-vax, we're diving all those things. But there were other issues besides just football there, which I don't think exists with Dak Prescott. So it's probably not going to happen. I just, I agree with you. I think that quote and, and saying right away, McCarthy's job is safe. Cause Jerry easily could have said he loves drama. He could have said, we'll reevaluate everything. I'm pissed off. I'm not happy with how the game went. We need to score more than 12 points. We lost this team again, not scoring enough. And he didn't say that. He said, yeah, his job is safe. So I don't think he trades him, but I do think that's a bit of a tell of who he thinks is more to blame for the lack of offensive production. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. It'll be, as usual, fascinating. It'll be the only thing anyone wants to talk about in the media uh, going forward. Um, before we get out of here, uh, Ben, let's let's look at Super Bowl futures right now. So I think this is very interesting, right? Because it would it, healthy Patrick Mahomes. There's not a lot of question as to you know who the favorite is. Uh, but right now, Kansas City plus two is on Fanduel. Kansas City plus two forty. Cincinnati plus two fifty. Philly plus two sixty. And San Francisco is is three to one start with you ben what are your reactions to those Oof, i 
I, I'm probably going the Eagles in that direction. I do have some early Eagles in the preseason on the Super Bowl. That's kind of the outside. So outside of the Chiefs, that's kind of like my one main position on any of these four teams. So I do think I'd probably double down on the Eagles right now. I think that they very much showed, at least in the one playoff game, that they can kind of go out and beat any team, I would say. So uh, like you said, I don't really want to touch Kansas City, given the extent of the Patrick Mahomes injury situation and how, and how impactful that's going to be to you know the betting market over the next not only this week, but, you know, in the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl as well. So I think it's either Bengals or Eagles, and I think I'm definitely legal, leaning in the Eagles' direction, I would say, right now. I'm 110% behind you there. Uh, I think it's strongly Eagles. I, I mean, just because Chiefs, uh, like you said, Patrick Mahomes, look, I talked to, you know, someone who, who does physical therapy and all these things. Patrick Mahomes is a high ankle sprain is what it looks like. He's not going to be 100% for the next two games right. at all. Like, yeah, even with the layoff mm-hmm. before the Super Bowl, it's going to bother him. But also the game just can be a bloodbath. Those teams have had a couple injuries already. That game is going to be, in theory, the Eagles could maybe get away with, I don't know, if Purdy has a poor showing, um, maybe get a little bit of rest in the second half like they did against the Giants to a degree. They basically had week 18 off, got a bye, had the second half last night off. And now, let's again, it's the Niners. They're the most physical team in the NFL. I know I told George at one point uh, their opponents had not won the week after playing them through like weeks 15. So, um, which is obviously kind of silly, but you know, I think there is some signal there to a degree. Um, but for me, of all those three, I think you have to go Philadelphia just because getting getting there from the NFC is easier, and then you're just healthy, and and you're I think probably if you compare them versus the two AFC teams, more balanced in my opinion on both sides of the ball. You know, they don't right. lean on one side more more than the other. And and hurts. Looked pretty good. You know, I, right. I think there's two ways to think about this. The one is the Eagles have had two bye weeks and will they be rusty, <laughs> you know, um, going into play San Francisco. But on the other end of the spectrum, the Eagles have had two bye weeks. So, yeah. you know, the, the 49ers have, have been over here. Now, the Seahawks, I don't think, was a particularly challenging game. But this was a physical game against the Dallas Cowboys. Really physical game. Um, obviously coming in on the short side of, of rest. And then you think about, you know, Chiefs or Bengals. So if the Bengals manage to get through the Kansas City Chiefs, who knows what their offensive line looks like? The Philadelphia Eagles are certainly going to be able to take advantage of that a little bit better than the Buffalo Bills uh, were. Um, and, and probably than the Kansas City Chiefs would be able to as well. And I think you look at the, the Chiefs, their receivers are not really going to test the Bengals that the Eagles can test them with, with their receivers and the Eagles have uh, corners that can, you know, really try and match up with the Bengals. So um, I I think that is clearly the play. I would have made the Eagles. um, I actually thought that the Eagles would be the favorite to be honest. Right. Uh, Right. No, I I I would be surprised. I agree. I agree. Like it's very surprising to me. Um, All right, Ben, always a pleasure. Um, looking forward to um, some really cool uh, conference championship games. If you do not follow Ben Brown on, on Twitter, you're missing out at PFF right. underscore Ben Brown. The simulation uh, write-ups are <laughs> phenomenal. You can also get an early look at the simulation that Ben and team uh, are building, the play-by-play simulation. If you join the uh, printing press Discord, the link will be in right. the description. Um, it's an awesome, awesome uh, tool. I am having a lot of fun using it. Um, and you will as well. So Ben, thank you so much, sir. We will talk to you next week, brother. Thanks, guys. All right, before we bring Arjun in, let's uh, pay a few bills here. Go to DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook, 
an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Two conference championship games, four teams left. That is it. So if you have not started betting yet, now is the time. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't started betting yet, uh, like I uh, uh, really appreciate the fact that you still listen to the podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but uh, maybe you have, don't have a DraftKings um, account yet. Maybe you're in a new one of the states that's just coming online. Uh, head over to DraftKings, use promo code PFF, and you can get $5, bet $5 to get um, $200 in, sorry, $100. And, no, no, it is still $200. I'm reading that correctly. $200 in free bets. That's a really good deal. I thought it was $150 now, but it is still $200. Um, plenty of really great opportunities this coming week. Obviously, the two games, we're about to talk about those spreads and where we like uh, what bets we like most. So get yourself ready to go with the promo code PFF at DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook, um, where you can bet just $5 to get $200 in free bets. Minimum uh, wager and restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, also, our friends at Western and Southern, Western and Southern Financial, uh, you are looking to make the betting proceeds that you return work for you, whether that's buying a house getting uh, yourself ready to go for a child that's coming your way or just saving up for the future. Western Southern has a game plan ready to go for you. Go to westernsouthern.com slash PFF and they will put together a game plan so you can follow it and then go watch all the football to your heart's content and uh, not have to worry about what your money is doing. And last but not least, Underdog. Underdog Fantasy and the Underdog Fantasy app um, is a great way to enjoy football and betting on football without actually going to a sports book. If you're in a place where you uh, you can't legally do that yet, I highly recommend going to Underdog Fantasy or downloading the app. Use promo code PFF. It will double your first deposit up to $100. They have weekly games um, where you can either play in a weekly best ball tournament where you just draft the, the players and then you don't have to worry about um, actually deciding who to start and who to sit. And they also have a higher or lower game where you pick up to five um, that's higher or lower between two and five players. And uh, you can make up to 20 times your money if you get them all right. So go to underdogfantasy.com and download the Underdog Fantasy app and use promo code PFF when you make your first deposit. All right. Uh, it is time to bring on our dear friend, ringleader of the printing press. Um, he of the Christian Kirk over five and a half receptions that looked tenuous looks tenuous um what a journey that was huh yeah no i gotta say first off if you're not in the discord you're not sweating bets with us and it was a big like week for us because we gave out like three tight end props at like open that all closed with like at least like five yards of closing line value like goddard (laughs) someone signaled it at 41 and a half that closed 51 and a half gave out kelsey 76 and a half that closed 81 and a half uh Dalton Schultz under 46 and a half, close 41 and a half. And had had he got that last foot in bounds, he would have ended on 42, which, you know, that would have been the sickest beat for under betters. But yeah, the, the Christian Kirk one was incredible. And I mean, I, I was at the bar watching that. And the fact that he got that after coming back injured was was just delightful. When he got hurt, sick I rag that you're over 21, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> what are you going to say, Brad? I just said when he got hurt, I was like, there's no chance he's coming back in this game. <laughs> I know. So for anyone that that's that doesn't know the, the backstory here, two weeks ago, um, Arjun's uh bet of the century, player prop of the year, <laughs> was Keenan Allen over uh six and a half. 
Keenan Allen gets 13 targets, finishes with only six catches, has like three passes batted down at the, the line of scrimmage that were intended for him. It was brutal. Perfect process, terrible result. And then we're watching Christian Kirk basically have the exact same game. And, of course, he's got – he needs to get six receptions. He's got five. Towards the end of the game, over the middle, finally gets targeted. He has it, drops it, or it, it, I don't know, it's an actual drop, but he, he doesn't catch it and gets injured. And we're just like, yeah, you're kidding me. <laughs> yeah, kidding me. He comes, at that point. That was comes back on like a cha- – he knew. See, he knew. So next year we've got to send him a, got to send him a gift. Um, yeah. As we do, if you're new, if you're a new member of the Printing Press, um, as we do every single week, we're going to guess the lines. We're going to talk about our favorite early bets. Uh, we went undefeated last week. Now we published them, obviously, on the PFF website and PFF app. Um, perfect 4-0 uh, on those write-ups. And we also, um, as, as Arjun mentioned, gave out a bunch of early prop leans that if you're ready to hop on them, um, you made a lot of money there as well. And a good way to do that, by the way, is to jump in the Discord because you get updated when those when those props come out and where they're at. Uh, like I wouldn't have gotten Goddard 41 and a half uh, if it weren't for that. Um, okay, uh, let's get into the, so the, the first game is going to be the NFC matchup. It is going to be Niners. At Eagles, the late game on CBS is going to be Bengals in Kansas City against the Chiefs. Let's start with the NFC matchup. Arjun, what do you make this? Yeah, so I went Eagles minus two and a half. Same here. Same. And I'll just – here's where my debate was. I started at three. Um, I think you can make a case for three. Um and I also then took a look at Shanahan and Purdy and said, you can make a case for three and a half, but I just don't, I don't think I, that this game, even as bad as it was, is, is super indicative of, um, of, you know, kind of how good that team is. So ultimately went back to you guys with two and a half on FanDuel. It is two and a half minus 114 plus two and a half 49ers is minus 106. So shaded a little bit towards three, but it is two and a half. Um, total is at 45 and a half total for Dallas and San Francisco closed 46 and a half. Um, I don't remember what, uh, New York Philly closed, but, uh, I want to say it was basically 47 right or 48, there. I believe on the total. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So, um, what, what are you guys thinking looking at, uh, at this game? I mean, obviously a teaser leg with the Niners is, is one option, but any of you want to bet the Eagles? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I do like them in the spot, full game, obviously. Um, honestly, it might it might be a, a first half bet also. I, I texted you guys in our group chat, like, mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Like, I think it's, I'm going to hop back on the Eagles first half wagon, and that was, like, one of the easiest bets of the year. But I, I think the Eagles are the a play in this matchup. Again, when my kind of, like, rule of thumb that I like, like, I'm obviously very amateur at betting, but, like, I found that if it's, like, two evenly matched teams – you want to go with the better quarterback. And I think Jalen Hurts is by far the better quarterback in this matchup. Um, the one the kind of like negative I would have is like the Eagles have had a lot of success passing the ball over the middle of the field. Obviously the AJ Brown trade helped that. And I don't think, you know, there's been a single game of a quarterback going from playing the worst linebacking room in the league with Jalen Smith and whoever else the Giants started linebacker <laughs> yeah. to Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, who who are the best linebacker duo, in, who is the best linebacker duo in the league. So I think the Eagles just have the better quarterback. I, I don't necessarily think they'll de- their defense will dominate like they dominated the Giants, 
But I think just because they have the better quarterback and Purdy didn't look all that great today, it, even in the Seahawks game, um, I, I'm going to take them two and a half here. Yeah, so your point about the, the, the linebacker disparity is, is spot on. It literally goes from probably the worst in the NFL to the best. Um, but but I like both wide receiver against both corner matchups. Yes, we talked about how James Bradbury and Darius Slay are good players. They are, but against the speed and shiftiness of a Brandon Ayuk and a Debo Samuel, I, I don't love that matchup as much as if they went up against some kind of bigger body, more physical players. They're both 30-plus, or Bradbury between 29. Um, he played fantastic against his former team. I think he was a little bit pissed off to play the Giants. But I don't like them against, you know, IU running the, running the routes he's running right now. Um, and on the flip side as well, um, we've kind of seen it throughout the playoffs. Saw it again tonight from CeeDee Lamb. You can take advantage of Char- Charbarius Ward. I mean, A.J. Brown was grabbing his hamstring. I'm not really sure why he was on the field still, but I think he'll be fine. Um, but I like both matchups on the outside here. And then mm-hmm. both offensive lines, yes, there's good pass rushes for both teams. But both offensive lines are pretty darn good as well. And mm. I think we'll hold up long enough to give their quarterbacks enough time. So I know neither team hit the over. Frankly, neither team neither team's even that close to their over this week. Um, but I like both teams to score in this matchup. Offensive lines to hold up and hit a couple deep shots like the over in this game. You know, CeeDee Lamb had a very successful game today. Um, you know, the, the kind of areas where – the Niners are particularly great over the middle. I mean, Fred Warner is a machine. That dude is insane. Um, Telenoho Funga, also just absolutely amazing. Ward played well, I think, on the interior. But you saw on the outside, there was there was room there. I mean, there were a couple times where Dak Prescott threw passes and you said, what is going on here? Um, the Eagles significantly more talented out wide, and I think kind of across the board, than, than the Cowboys are. Um, so I'm, I'm with you guys. Now I will say this. I really do like the Niners as a teaser leg, but I am, I am concerned about the combination of Brock Purdy and whatever the hell that was from Kyle Shanahan today. But at the same time, I'm not going to bet on Kyle Shanahan doing that twice in a row. Like Kyle Shanahan is a pretty real person. He's going to watch that tape and he's going to go, Holy Jesus. Like, there were a couple of these run plays where he was like running this like weird orbit motion with Debo and like then just ram him or rammed him up the middle. And it was like, it was very, very strange. So I do think that they come out and um, you know, they, they, they play a lot better. So I like getting that eight and a half uh, with the Niners, but I think against the spread, uh, I do think you have to go with the Eagles here. Um, okay. Let's go. Uh, let's go to the next game real, real quick. Yeah. One, I, I had one other data point I wanted to bring up because I think you brought up a really good point about how the Niners secondary kind of looks susceptible to those like go balls, right? You had CD, um, Dak kind of missed Gallup on that one deep crosser. So AJ Brown this year, when Jalen Hurts has targeted him on go routes, has generated 20.685 total EPA on the year, just, just running go routes and targeted. That's the fifth highest total EPA for any receiver running a single route when targeted. And when, when you're looking at a per target stat, that's the third highest for any receiver on a single route. So like Tarverius Ward and Diamador Lenore are susceptible to those long balls. We've seen both like both corners get picked on so far this playoffs on those deep balls. So, you know, the Eagles have the propensity to make those plays outside. Like, you know, I know they they might not be able to get those middle of the field throws against Warner and Greenlaw, but outside they will have the, the ability to take advantage of the, the 
49ers cover three on, on one big play. So um, that's just something I wanted to add to the discourse if anyone's also thinking about the They've Eagles. started they, – also real quick, just to jump on it. They've also started the last two games of theirs. So they had the Devontae Smith deep ball this past game, 50-yard pass right away. The week before against the Giants also, they hit A.J. Brown on a ball mm-hmm. for 40 – like they, they're doing it right out of the gate and not even letting you settle in. And they, they are looking to play that way. So, yeah, that, that's an awesome stat poll. But you also see it just on the film as well. That was – so, Archon, you just had that, like, in the back of the, the dome. So, where you didn't look that up on the spot, did you? No, I this I was texting Judah about this on Friday because okay. I was looking at some uh, at some A.J. Brown props. <laughs> the two of you, my God, it's uh, – it's, it's some of the shit that you guys pull – stuff that you guys pull out um, makes me proud. Um, the – it, you know, maybe we can linger on this. I was going to come back to both these games, kind of talk about like the props and stuff, that, but maybe we just sit on this one for a little bit more. I, I do think it's really interesting. You look at some of the matchups and on the outside for the Niners, you know, I, I thought Ayuk and Samuel um, and those guys had a nice matchup today against the Cowboys. Didn't really take advantage of it. Nowhere near as good of a matchup against the, the Eagles. I mean, Bradbury, Slay on the outside, CJ uh, Gardner Johnson uh, on the interior. They've they've had some decent play from from the linebackers. Hassan Reddick has been amazing on the outside. You saw what Mike Parsons did to Mike McGlinchey. And when I think about like how do the Niners attack this Eagles team? Kittle is the guy that comes down. Kittle was huge today. It seems like Kittle is the guy that Purdy is actually comfortable throwing the ball to. He throws the ball to Ayuk, and like half the time, it's almost an interception. Now Ayuk is always open because he like literally turns dudes around every time he runs route. But it looks like Purdy only half the time actually throws the ball in his vicinity. For Kittle, it feels a lot more kind of consistent. To me, that's where I would be looking from a prop perspective. I was not impressed with the way that they used McCaffrey today, but maybe they get them going. Um, so I think Kittle is one that that I'm looking at a little bit in this game. Um, any other uh, angles? Other, I mean, we're not going to top Arjun's uh, AJ Brown go route uh, analysis, but we can try. Yeah, I, I think the the Eagles have a lot of very good players up the middle. Maybe not great. I mean, TJ Edwards and Kaiser White can both cover at off ball linebacker. Marcus Epps and CJ Gardner Johnson can both cover at safety. Um, but I think that what they're going to do is a lot of pre snap motion moving laterally, um, and really just try to. I mean, first to help Purdy kind of identify what they're looking at, but. I think they're going to use a lot of that with Ayuk, with Debo, with McCaffrey now. He was in motion a bunch. He had that huge third down catch in this this game today where he motioned inside and then ran a little little in-cutter. So, um, I don't know. I like Debo. I like Debo getting some yards after the catch here. I think in open space, I think he can make these guys miss. I I think they're all good. I don't think any of them are great. Maybe Slay's a great player, but he's like 32 years old at corner. Um, So, in open space, I like him to break one up. Yeah, Eagles, by the way, are 20th in PFF coverage grade uh, against tight ends. Not quite as bad as the Giants and Jaguars who are 31st and 32nd um, heading into the week. And you think about, uh, you know, running backs, and um, I'll just pull this up real quick uh, here. The Eagles are, the Niners are first, uh, in case you're wondering. Um, The Eagles are uh, 19th uh, in coverage grade against against running backs um any other thoughts on, on player props Arjun? yeah you know i know 
Goddard was a was a uh, printing press fave this week, but I think it would be time to fade him. I think you'll you'll mm-hmm. see a little bit of an inflated line. He ended on like 59, 60 yards or something like that. So if his line opens up at like 48, 49 and a half, I would take the under and I'm sure you're going to get some value there just because the Niners have not have been so good against the tight ends. And I think like, I think Hertz is going to rely on AJ Brown and Devontae Smith more. And the the Eagles are a very smart organization. Like they know where to target the 49ers and it's not over the middle. It's not targeting, uh, it's not targeting Fred Warner. And, you know, they took advantage of Jalen Smith and I think it was Jared Davis or something who started against the Eagles. And I don't think they're going to try to do that. So um, the 49ers haven't allowed it have only allowed three tight ends to go over like 50 yards all season. And that, that was like Darren Waller, uh, Travis Kelsey, and um, someone else I'm forgetting off the top of my head. So I, I would look towards um, Schultz or no, not Schultz, uh, Goddard unders uh, in yeah. this game. It's a great call. I was thinking the same thing. And actually, uh, you know, along those lines where else the 49ers have been absolutely amazing is uh, covering uh, running backs. Uh, 92.6 mm-hmm. PFF coverage grade, uh, average EPA per play when targeting running backs against the 49ers is negative 0.436. The second best is negative 0.197. So more Jesus. than double uh, <laughs> the next best team. Um, the difference between the Niners and the second best team is the same as the difference between the second best team and uh, let me see if I can do my math correctly here. The 19th best. So uh, they have been remarkable against running backs. So you think about, you know, Miles Sanders, our, our, the man, the myth, the legend, Boston Scott. This is not your New York Giants here, Boston Scott. Um, Kenneth Gainwell as well could be an opportunity, especially if you like the Eagles, you know, winning this game. Like I don't think their path to winning this game is exposing – uh, the Niners from a you know running back receiving perspective, and then if they're winning, they're probably going to run the ball as opposed to as to throwing it. Um, let me ask you real quick before we move on to the next game: Jalen Hurts and his health, and like whether he was going to be a running threat, were a huge topic of conversation. It didn't seem like he was you know um, hindered by it in the game against the Giants, but it was a game against the Giants. So like you know what does that really mean? Um, how are you guys kind of handicapping hurts in this situation are you giving him the kind of the full the full vote here you think he's you know basically 100 percent, or is there a little bit of you that's like i'm actually not sure i, I thought Rapport's comments uh were more concerned over his shoulder than his running ability um so if you are handicapping or concerned about hurts i think it's more as a passer than a runner mm-hmm. uh i don't know though it was the giants who do not have a good defense but he looks fine to me. I'm, I'm, you know, I guess the spread with him in my mind is 98% healthy. Perhaps he did say he's not 100%, and then he probably won't be the rest of the playoffs, but I think he's above 85. So I, it's week 21. No one's 100% healthy this <laughs> Yeah, I Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with Brad there. Um, I'm kind of handicapping this with, with Hertz near full health. It's not even like he had that big of a workload against the Giants. I mean, they were just running the ball you know, in the second half, every single play. So, um, you know, it's not, I don't think the Eagles really showed much on film either against the Giants. Maybe they showed a couple of their good plays to go up like 14-0, 21-0. But after that, I mean, it was just run, run, run. So I don't think we'll see that same game plan. You know, I I need to check um, 
sometime during the week, like what, the, how often teams pass against the Niners, like overexpected, because I'm sure it's pretty high given how good their front seven is. Yeah. You can't run point. on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they were very good um, against the, against the Cowboys. You would figure though, that leveraging Jalen Hurts in the run game would be pretty key to kind of, you know, making the exposing the Niners in any way. They're very aggressive defense. You know, they fly to the ball. So being able to, you know, kind of get them going one direction and the run with Hurts in the other would be um, would be advantageous. All right, should we move on to uh, the AFC? Can I can I give one more prop lane that I just thought of? Please. And this is something I posted. So before I, I think it's still continuing on today, until today. The 49ers have played have played now twenty no nineteen games in you know in their entire in the entire season. Or at least before today, they've played 18 games. They had only allowed 16 rushes of 10 plus yards. They've allowed less rushes for 10 plus yards than they have like played games. So if you want like another prop lean, Miles Sanders' longest rush under would not be that bad of a of, of a play given how stout the 49ers have been against the run. I mean, I was on Zeke under 11 and a half longest rush today, and that closed nine and a half, you know, before the game, which is just like absurd. Yeah, that's uh. They've been very good. They've been very, very good. Now they haven't played. Like I think it's interesting, you know, that they um, the last like good team they played before the Cowboys were the Chiefs. You know, they got killed by the Chiefs. Um, you know, we've now seen them play against a team that uh, is, you know, a real team certainly in the in the Cowboys. Um, let me take a look here real quick at um, where the Niners have been against designed quarterback runs. So I was, uh, while you're doing that, while you're doing that, I was looking at scrambles on the flip side of it. Okay. Um, I, you know, obviously design run, I guess, would be more specific to look at. Scrambles are kind of random, but they, they still hold up fine. The Eagles actually can be scrambled on. Third worst EPA per play allowed against scrambles. Um, the rest are kind of middle of the pack, so nothing notable. Yeah, they're middle of the pack as well. They've only faced uh, 36 um, – 36 such plays. So, you know, I, I think it's one of those low sample. We don't want to be, um, yeah. you know, sample size uh, ignorant mm-hmm. here. So I really do think that's kind of, a, that's one of the X factors in this game, right? I think there's a couple, um, there's how Shanny and Purdy show up. Um, and there's, you know, to what degree Philadelphia is able to expose that Niners um, defense in a way, you know, the Niners have not seen a team right, like Philadelphia this entire season. So that'd be really interesting. Um, okay. We can come back to this. If there are any more ideas that, that pop up, let's go to the AFC side. Bengals three and up in the last two seasons against the Kansas city chiefs. I don't have any of this data around how hard it is to beat a team four times in two years. Um, but I'm sure I'm very confident that CBS will dig it up by the time we get to Sunday. So don't worry. Uh, let's start with the spread here. Arjun, what do you think? Uh, given my home status, I want chiefs minus one and a half. Same here. Yeah, I went Chiefs minus one. I, I thought you could have made it a pick'em. Um, I, I I just his ankle is in bad shape, and um, yeah, I don't think it's getting. The thing is that I don't think it's getting better. Like I I think he may look as good as he will have looked in that game when it was you know right after he got injured because it was kind of still you know warm. I think it's going to be really hard. For him, um, it is one and a half, but minus one and a half is minus one of six. 
plus one and a half for the Bengals. It's minus 114. Total here is 47 and a half. I heard it was going to be extremely cold. Uh, I want to say below, well below freezing there. Do we know any more than that? I'll pull that up. Maybe that'll help his uh, ankle not swell up too much. But on that point, this is the level of research we do for you guys. I asked the same doctor I cited earlier. Yes. Because there was the possibility of Kansas City playing at a dome, I said, actually, would it be better for Mahomes sneakily if the, if the Bills win and they have to go to Atlanta and play on turf versus the home grass? He said his answer was yes. Not, not like by some massive margin, but he said turf indoors is going to be more consistent. He's not going to slip or maybe slide out. He goes – on a cold grass field at Gihas, whatever the heck they call it, at Arrowhead. G-E-H-A, okay? <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. He said, like, he might, you know, catch a bad spot of grass or it'd be wet or whatever and slip out. He goes in one, like, little slip of the ankle, and he'll feel as bad as he did the moment that injury happened. So I thought that was interesting we talked about that. Yeah, uh, makes sense. Um, okay, Arjun, what are you thinking uh, in this one? Yeah, my – my head tells me Bengals. My heart tells me Chiefs. It's just like it's hard to bet against Mahomes at home. But like, I you know the whole like Chiefs or the Bengals have the Chiefs number. It's more it's more that the Bengals offense just is unstoppable and the Chiefs defense just never stops them. You know, like the Chiefs the Chiefs offense averages twenty six point three points per game against Luana Rimo in the past two years. Mahomes himself is averaging like a point one nine EPA per play, and it would be much higher had he not had the worst second half of his career in the conference championship game last year. So, you know, I, I think that whole, like, oh, Mahomes can't beat Lou Romo's defense is overblown. This year, I think I looked at this two weeks ago, against uh, Rush 3, drop 8, he's averaging like a, like a .63 EP per play, which is, like, absurd. So it's not like the the drop 8 scheme is, like, super effective. It's just, like, Lou Romo does, you know, adjust well after halftime. And again, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of that. But as an overall, the Chiefs offense has not been the problem. It's their defense against the Bengals offense. And, you know, the Chiefs defense, you know, Trent McDuffie is 5'10". Trent, if, they're, if, he's, if he has to tackle Trent, uh, Jamar Chase on a hitch route, three yards short of the sticks, like Jamar Chase is going to get the first down. Like, that's my issue with this game and picking the Chiefs is like, I don't trust their defense at all to beat these Bengals uh, receivers. Now on the other side of the ball, like I think Mahomes is an ankle injury. Like it's going to, I'm not worried about how it affects his rushing because number one, the Bengals have one of the best uh, QB scrambling defenses in, in the NFL. Josh Allen's like rushing line was like 48 and a half. He ended on like 26. Like it's, a, you almost take the ru QB rushing unders every week against the Bengals defense, but it, it's how it affects his passing. Like he doesn't have as much zip on the ball. The torque isn't there. He missed a screen pass throwing low, like eight yards like mm -hmm. laterally and like that's the issue with me like, it's not his mobility because the bengals uh edge rushers are so disciplined in how they rush their lanes it's how it affects his uh you know arm strength his uh velocity on the throw and i think that's going to be the biggest issue for me so um i i think officially i'm going to go with the bengals just because i think they're the better team overall but um i wouldn't be surprised if the chiefs pull this off yeah, so I just checked real quick, George. So eight degrees, but not looking like terrible wind uh, in Arrowhead. It's it's very far out there. We're talking about a week from today. So we'll, mm -hmm. we'll obviously update that on Wednesday and continue to talk about it. So, yeah, my thing with this game, I, I couldn't agree more with just the size advantage on the outside for Cincinnati. I'm not going to overreact this. I started the show with this. But 
Trey Hendrickson went right to the X-ray room after this game. His status is kind of a question mark. And you talk about how disciplined they are at staying in their lanes, containing quarterbacks, which, yeah, again, I'm not surprised at all. They're great against scrambles. You can just see that when you watch them. Um, They're they're so gap-disciplined. But obviously, Hendrickson would be a pretty big loss for them. You know, they have a Joseph Asai and some other players there, but no one at his level. He's been playing pretty well late as late of late as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's terrifying. I, I joked before, but I'm, I'm staying true. To, I'm taking the over in this game because I'm afraid to take the spread. Whatever I take in the spread is not going to cover. Uh, so maybe a teaser like here with the one and a half. I'm surprised it's not one. Uh, I know it is at some books, but like if I was Vegas, I wouldn't want exposure on the Bengals getting over a touchdown on a teaser. I would put it at one or put it at a pick and just not let that be an option. Um, but yeah, I like the over here because, look, the Bills' pass rush is bad post Von Miller, but the, the Chiefs isn't that much better. Maybe a little bit. You know, Chris Jones should do well against the interior here. Ted Karras is banged up in today's game for the Bengals as well. Um, but, look, these teams are going to score. They're going to score over 47 or whatever it is, 47 and a half points. So I'll, I'll cop out with that play. The cold weather, I think, is notable because one quarterback has a really messed up ankle and the other doesn't. I think that's the notable piece here. And, um, you know, I, like I, I just – I think that's a big deal. I, I really, really do. I mean, do you remember – the last time that Mahomes had uh, an ankle injury, right? Like they um, played the Colts and it looked like a totally different team. Um, The other thing is that the Bengals have been, you know, Travis Kelsey is a different beast entirely. So I'm not saying that they're going to stop Travis Kelsey, but they have been quite good against tight ends. Um, And uh, I think they have the third best uh, PFF coverage grade against tight ends in the NFL this year. So uh, the matchup there as excited as we were about Dallas Goddard last week is how excited I am about Jamar Chase for this upcoming week. I don't think it matters the game script, you know, whether the Bengals play from behind or ahead. Um, Jamar Chase is the way that they win this game. Like he is uncoverable. They have no one on that team that is even close to being able to match up with Jamar Chase. And they have done a really good job, the Bengals have, of diversifying their playbook a little bit, getting Jamar Chase in motion, putting them in slot making sure that they're able to throw him the ball. The confidence that Joe Burrow has throwing the ball to Jamar Chase, I, I wish I had that confidence in anything in life. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. Um, it, it's, it's nuts. So um, I think that's, you know, that's the angle that I like most. I, to your point earlier, I can't, as a book, I would not make this one and a half, um, but I don't think that enough people know that teasers exist, <laughs> to be honest with you. And a lot of books will just juice teasers up. So you've got to look around for it. I mean, I just pulled this one up on, on FanDuel. They're charging you like one minus 134 on a teaser. So don't do that. Shop around. Get yourself, you know, closer to minus 120. Um, you know, both. I, I think um, the uh, the Bengals line is, is, is juiced a little bit towards them. So that might be a little hard to find a true minus 120. But I think you if you shop around, you should be able to do it. Um, it's a standard long teaser. I, I think we should make sure that we, we call out what a long teaser is. I had a couple of people ask what that was and then take for granted that people don't know the Reverend, uh, His Holiness Stanford Long. A long teaser is, um, so a tease is where you um, take two teams, you parlay them together, but you get six points in your favor on both bets. So for the Niners, you would take them from my, uh, from plus two and a half, add six points, get it out to plus eight and a half. Take the Bengals, go from plus one and a half out to plus seven and a half. 
And a long teaser is where that six points gets you across three and seven. Those are really important. Those are the two most um, uh, likely numbers for the game to land on. And so when you get those going in your direction, those go from a loss to a win. That accumulates more win probability in your direction. And that's what you're, you're trying to get. So to really make a teaser uh, actually plus EV, you basically have to cross three and seven. If not, you are a donkey and you shouldn't do it. Um, there are worse ways to tease, you know, like teasing across zero is particularly horrible, um, which is why you can find a lot of people doing it on Twitter. Um, but you've got to get across three and seven. So that's what a long teaser is. That's what this would be. And, um, you know, we, we joked um, about the teaser that was one of our locks of the week, which was Eagles and Chiefs. Like, you know, I can't believe that this, it, does, it, does this feel square? Um, the books are taking, I don't know what the exact number is, but I'll throw one out there that I think is ballpark, like a thousand X more on the spread than they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's something that, um, you know, they, they're much more concerned with, with that um, than they are the, uh, you know, the teaser plays, which is why you can find them out there and, and why you could get, uh, why you could get those two teams at, at long uh, teaser values this week. Just one more point too. They also, last week, you, like these are, we, we obviously do the show to get you early bets. You couldn't have gotten that Chiefs at eight and a half on Monday morning. Like it was, mm -hmm. at least me personally, I bet it that right. night. I didn't see it again the rest of the week. So you, you got to jump on it. Uh, and then I just want to touch on your Kelsey point. Logan Wilson is and Von Bell and Jesse Bates and even a little bit of Jermaine Pratt. Like there's, you could argue the Bengals match up with Travis Kelsey better than any team in the NFL. He had 17 targets and 14 catches this past yeah. week. He's not going to do that against the Cincinnati Bengals. And how important does that become when Mahomes can't run around? Right. 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 So like Kelsey yeah. needs to win early, you know, so there's, there's how do the chiefs beat you? Right. They, they beat you on rhythm because Mahomes is an absolute assassin, but they kill you when it's not on rhythm and he's able to get outside of, of, of the rhythm of the play and still beat you because Kelsey finds those little uh, nooks and crannies. Those won't be there. So it's more imperative that they win early. And so a team that, you know, if it's just a couple of plays where they're able to keep Kelsey from winning early, those may turn into sacks or throwaways in this game. By the way, Mahomes had five throwaways in the first game against the Kansas City, uh, against the Senate Bengals. Um, the Bengals had zero. It was an interesting kind of disparity in the way that the rhythm of the passing game for the Chiefs was not there where it was uh, for the Bengals. So, um, you know, I think that's an interesting angle as well um, that you bring no, up. It's a, great, it's a great note because Kelsey is their win-quick guy. Yes, he can do the, you know, the runaround when Mahomes is – but he also is the – on the shuffle passes and the lead, all the leak he does, like – he is the win in less than two and a half seconds guy as well. That's kind of his role in this offense. Also want to point out, I know I'm pretty sure right now it is Bengals. Is it Bengals? Is it still Bengals? All right. Yeah, it's Bengals plus one right now. Uh, 11.02 Eastern right now. At 10.06, about an hour ago, I signaled to the Discord. Bengals were one and a half. Niners were two and a half. You could tease them on DraftKings, which is the minus 120 book that George is talking about. Now it's down to one. Pays to be in the Discord, you know. Now I don't know if we'll ever get one and a half again. So that was one I bet when you guys were on with Ben. So uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully other people will. It goes back at one and a half at some point. But um, just another example of that's why they call it the printing press, folks. Yeah, you got to get them early. Press. We're also giving away some merch. We have five people that are going to be getting printing press hats 
um, every hundred people that we add are get it. We're giving away five, five more members uh, of the press, some, uh, some merch. And we've got some good designs in there too. Get in there with your graphic design skills and, and show us what you got. Um, okay, let's talk uh, a little bit about some of the, the player prop angles here that we might like. We mentioned, we talked about Kelsey here. Are you willing, either of you, to bet a Travis Kelsey under? I mean, it, to your point, he had 17 targets, 14 receptions. I mean, it was ridiculous. He destroyed the Jaguars. Now, let me point out, the Jacksonville Jaguars were not middle of the road. They weren't decent against tight ends. They were the worst in the NFL. <laughs> they were abysmal, and they got torched. This is a different uh, situation. Any of you have the stones to bet against Travis Kelsey? All right, I'm, pl- I'm looking at it right now just to give you guys a data point. You can answer first, Arjun. So this year, Kelsey had four catches for 56 yards against the, the Bengals in their one matchup. And then last year in the playoffs, five catches oh, – no, sorry, week 17, he had five catches for 25 yards in the regular season matchup. And then in the postseason, he had, okay, 10 catches for 95 yards in the conference championship game. So those are the, the, the most three, three most recent games. Two, two heavy unders for Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think I could do it. Just because I think I would be more open to it if this was the regular season, but because it's the playoffs, like Andy Reid knows how to get his playmakers to the ball, and I think I mean he has a whole week to scheme open targets for Kelsey, and he knows what limitations Mahomes is going to work with. Kelsey is also one of the just toughest players to tackle in the open field. So even if you know he isn't running some of those deeper developing plays or some of those off script plays, which him and Mahomes are probably the best in the league at, I do think he'll have some manufactured targets via maybe some tight end screens or just some simple mesh routes that will get him open and get him the ball. So don't think I'll partake in it. I don't think I have any conviction to bet the over, even though Dawson Knox had a pretty good game. Most of it in garbage time, but you know, still point still stands. Uh, so I think I'll, I'll lay off from the under there. So here's an, an interesting thing, and this is why PFF is so fantastic. We chart whether the quarterback was in rhythm when he throws the ball. Um, the way you can think about it is back foot hits, you know, one hitch, ball out. And essentially, you know, the play goes as prescribed, right? And Mahomes is both the best quarterback in rhythm and the best quarterback not in rhythm. I think our conjecture is it'll be a little bit harder given his ankle. So this year you mentioned five targets, four receptions for Kelsey, four uh, of those targets um, came when uh, the quarterback was out of rhythm. Uh, Now, when he was in rhythm, one for one, but just one target, 13 yards. Um, The year before where they had two contests, eight targets, seven receptions in rhythm, but that's only eight of, uh, what is it here? Eight of, so I get the stats correctly. So eight of 20. So 12, uh, 12 targets uh, out of rhythm. So the year before, seeing a little more than, than half, um, half his targets was 60% of his targets out of rhythm. And then this year, four of five. So 80% of his targets out of rhythm. So I'm not saying that I'm going to do it. I'll see what the number comes out as. I'm clearly making a case uh, for it potentially, but I really think the, the case here is more around kind of the Bengals being able to win this game, um, and or you know, and, and cover the uh, the teaser number um, than anything else. 
I'll just jump in. The only prop from Kansas City's perspective that I like, and I do like it a good bit, it's a little scary because they use them so creatively and so differently. So I don't know if you want receiving uh, receptions or receiving yards or a combo. Kadarius Tony is like, this is his game. This is why you mm-hmm. go out and make that trade. I think Judas Smith-Schuster has been productive, but him and Mike Hilton have been battling for years. Yep. Um, and, and I think Hilton has the advantage in that matchup. We just talked about Travis Kelsey. MVS is 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 whatever. Maybe he gets one deep ball against Eli Apple. But I think you're going to see Kadarius Tony as an H-back. I think you're going to see him in the slot. I think you're going to see him out wide. I think he's going to pre-snap motion 10 times in this game. And you talk about Andy Reid just getting a guy open. I think they're going to manufacture targets for him. They did it this past week. They manufactured touches for him to where mm. I don't matter who the matchup is. We're just we're getting him the ball and letting him go to work. I think you're going to see that again heavily in, in, in this game. 12, 12 snaps um, on receiving play, six targets. So yeah. when you have a target yeah. target rate of 50% when you're on the field, I mean, it, it lines up perfectly. And yeah, like Brad said, this is the game where if you need to get the ball out quick, could, I don't think there's probably not a better player in the league to, to get the ball to than Kadarius Tony. Nope. Okay, I have um, I have an angle that I like. Um, I, I need to do a little bit more research here, but thinking about the protection of Patrick Mahomes at all costs, and I wonder if this is a Jarek McKinnon game. The immediate reaction, I think, would be, no, it'll be a Pacheco game. They want to run the ball a lot. I don't know that that's the case because <laughs> I don't think you're going to win the game if you run the ball a lot. I think they know they need to throw. And if you're going to throw, do you want Jarek McKinnon? Jarek McKinnon made um, a really incredible block. Uh, I can't remember who it was on. Maybe one of you guys will um, in oh. the game on Saturday. Um, he's clearly the guy that they trust in those situations more. Now, it's interesting. He has a 27 PFF pass block grade this year. Somehow, that's better than Pacheco's. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but uh, so my hypothesis here would be McKinnon gets a, a pretty large share of the snaps. I could see the, the, the Chiefs having to come from behind in this game. So I'm interested to see what kind of McKinnon's um, props are looking like. Um, I think just the usage will probably be skewed relative to what it has been in the past. Everyone loves Pacheco. Um, so I think some McKinnon overs. I love the Tony, um, the Tony take as well. Um, it was, know, yeah, it, it was Foyer Lukun on the Jaguars. That's right. He just, lift, he just lifted him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We, we got to change his grade just for that. We do. We do. No, that, that's a good shout though. That's kind of with the same logic I was thinking with, with Tony. And look, I, I like Pacheco. He has a role. His role is, when you're up and you want to bleed a game out, which they didn't have on their roster. And it's not like, not something we should scoff at. It's what, it's what you should be using seventh round picks on is guys that can get you seven, eight yards when you're up a score late in the game, which they couldn't really do with the guys they had. Um, so, but, but yeah, like, I don't think this game plays into what you want to see if you're trying to bet on a you know, player prop. I don't think this is the game for him. Any thoughts, Arjun on, uh, on props here? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like the McKinnon angle. Um, you know, if if the Bengals are going to drop eight, the underneath stuff's going to be there, and McKinnon is the kind of like outlet guy. And you know, I I think the the grades obviously don't show that he's the better pass protector or that he's been bad. But like he he had some pretty good blocks against some blitzing mm-hmm. linebackers uh, that the Jackson, and I do think he would be the the running back to target on some props. I mean, Jamar Chase would be a a good play here, or even like Joe Mixon. I think receiving yards. Uh, Chiefs have just struggled versus uh, running backs 
Uh, so a, like a large part of the season, ETN had, I think, like three or four catches against mm -hmm. them. So if, if Mixon opens up at three and a half, minus 110 or two and a half juiced or even Piran over one and a half, uh, I, do, I definitely think those are some plays to consider. They love getting Piran some screens, man. Yeah. They, they'll make sure they'll make sure he gets those screen touches every week. They really do. What um what do we know, uh, Brad, about the O line situation for the Bengals? And, and the reason I ask is I'm staring at as I do every time that we're doing these podcasts at the the lineup view on PFF.com, looking at Chiefs defense yeah. versus uh, Bengals offense. And there's one like really glaring. Uh, issue here, which is that Chris Jones is a machine. He's the highest graded defensive tackle in the NFL this year. And, um, you know, as good as the offensive line was for the um, for the Bengals, Volson and Carmen both played really, really well. I think Carmen's going to end up with like an 80 PFF grade. The other just one, one uh, pressure, but there's a lot of, of kind of suspect there in, in the interior and obviously not having Kappa or, or Williams would be a big deal. And I also, yeah, so Williams, I think, is less likely. I, I know when he dislocated his kneecap, they said Super Bowl is probably the only one in play here. Um, Kappa was obviously a regular season injury, and it's been kind of quiet there. I mentioned it earlier, though. I'm also a little bit nervous about Ted Karras. He did finish the game, yeah. but they were saying he was, the silent reporter said he was, like, really, really struggling between snaps and, like, was really bothered. So when you have that entire interior issue, obviously Chris Jones is the guy. Kalen Saunders was 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 getting in the backfield last like mm -hmm. they, they had some other pressures from other interior guys Derek Naughty had a, had a sack in the game um that is that is a potential issue and then obviously for whatever reason Frank Clark when it, it, it turns January yeah January Joe and January Frank uh, for whatever reason yeah yeah it can't, that's right Karis did did get injured I think that would be that would be the concern right like I don't want to I, I don't want to overreact too much to the fact that our non-overreaction in the last game for the for the offensive line was correct right and right um arjun we talked about this with ben but i'd be i'd be really interested in your take here like kind of what i was saying is the entire world thought that the game was lost because the offensive line for the Bengals that turned out to not be the case but i the snow to me was an interesting you know equalizer there I, i'm not sure that it was it's entirely to blame but how did you how do you think about valuing the offensive line and in the injuries given what we saw in in buffalo today yeah i mean i didn't so i know that like there's a lot of theories snow uh helped the bengals o-line it hurts the bills o-line because they they don't their get off is much slower look our thesis on Bengals five and a half, Bengals four and a half on last Sunday, five and a half on the Wednesday show was the Bills defensive line isn't good. Like it isn't that good without Vaughn Miller. Like they don't generate pressure without without blitzing. And that proved to be true today. So I think like it's people, some people will kind of overreact to the Bengals offensive line injuries. Like this is like what I thought was going to happen all along that the Bills weren't going to have much success anyway. Um, so it's tough to really say that because I mean, Jackson Carmen had like a, a solid game like he's been a terrible offensive lineman for most of his career but this was like a pretty good game i left tackle now go like going up against january playoff frank clark like that's a different beast uh than you know, what, what he's facing we're so half far. kidding we're half kidding yeah half, half kidding but you know although um and then you know chris jones like i think last year chris jones uh had a lot of pressure on joe burrow he just failed to bring him down and i think you know there will be some motivational factors there that obviously like you know, we don't really talk about as an analytics podcast but um, I, I do think the Bengals O-line might see a little bit of uh, struggle this 
upcoming week, but their game plans have been really, really good for the past, you know, in their whole winning streak. So if they get the ball out quick and which they should be able to do against this chief secondary, I think all the offensive line stuff is mitigated. I will say it is kind of reminiscent. I remember the chiefs kept getting away with not having their tackles when they, when they played the Buccaneers and when it became, it was, it was a minus two and a half. I want to say in that game, I think it got bet out to a full field goal because everyone was like, the offensive line injuries don't matter. The Chiefs have overcome it in every game so mm-hmm. far. And then they literally couldn't do anything the entire game yep. against the Buccaneers. Like, I think you can. It's a good point. You, you don't want to, like, just forget it exists because it didn't happen in one particular game where the Bills just honestly were flat the whole time. Yeah, and the, the Bills were flat. And I think you could make a pretty solid argument that the Bills don't have anyone that's as good as Chris Jones. They may not have anyone that's as good as playoff Frank Clark, which is right ridiculous to, to think about, right? But like, you know, it is a, is a real one. Uh, it, it also, it really does kind of make me like the Eagles um, yep. Super Bowl future more, <laughs> you know, the more that we talk yep. about this. Because the Eagles, all of these areas where we talk about like, oh, this team is weak here, this team is weak here. I keep coming back to the Eagles like aren't really weak there. Like you think about, I mean, I don't think anyone has an advantage against Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and and Tyler Boyd, but I sure as hell like the Eagles' chances defensively against that offense more than I like the the Chiefs' uh, chances. So, um, and, and then you know, if the Chiefs were to make it, um, you know, similarly, like their you know uh, their their pass rush a hell of a lot more <laughs> than either pass rushes they face. Also, and we're just talking about too. Dec- uh, talking about Chris Jones and, and DJ Reader in Cincinnati. Dexter Lawrence did not have a pressure against Philadelphia for the first time since Week 13 of 2021. Yep. He did yep. not have a pressure against that Eagles interior offensive line because it's an elite op- interior offensive line in Philadelphia as well. All right. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything that uh, we missed? Nope. Not for me. <laughs> no, we didn't miss anything. Arjun, Arjun had his AJ Brown stat, and he's like, yeah. I can't, he I can't coasted, possibly, he coasted yeah, it after that. Can't, can't possibly tarnish that. He said, "Top uh, that, boys." He said, "Good luck." That's why we'll be back on Wednesday. Um, Arjun will spend the next seventy-two hours carefully mining uh, every corner of the database, <laughs> and uh, we'll be back. It'll be, it'll be. Um, uh, he'll just come up with like fifty-five different trends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got one for you. I got oh, for you. I'm hit you on the way out. I got to give it to you. Bengals in 22 games with Jamar Chase have never lost by more than a field goal. 22 games. Wow. Brad, I, trend you know, for you. I saw that. Okay. I saw that trend and I just totally forgot to bring it up on the Wednesday show. Like I totally forgot. Oh, for this past week? Mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I totally <laughs> forgot. <laughs> Aren't they, well, they're, they're 21 and five ATS in, in their last 26, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. So never lost time more than a field goal when Jamar plays. Yeah, that's uh, that's incredible. Um, thanks to everybody who hung out with us live. If you're listening on Monday, hopefully you got uh, you got some of the value we talked about. Things are probably going to move fast this week with only two games for people to focus on. Um, make sure you join the Printing Press Discord so you can get the latest tips and uh, insights, especially when props are coming live. We'll be back with you Wednesday night as we always are. Love y'all.